We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. Welcome to the Resilient Schools podcast. I am very grateful and honored to have on the program today, Dr. Wendy Watson. She is the principal of Gary Middle School in Spokane, Washington. And because that's where I live, I actually got to go see her school and I was so excited to have her come on the program, I wanted to make sure that you heard from her. Um, she is a uh, she was raised in the army, and so she traveled all around the country, including in Okinawa, Japan, and then they landed in Cheney, Washington, and been here for the last forty three years. Um, she's been in pub- Spokane Public Schools for thirty years, two years as sub, eight years as summer school teacher in a juvenile detention facility, which we. Don't even talk about in this episode, but really fascinating there. 10 years as a teacher of Spanish and English, 12 years as a high school assistant principal, five years as director of secondary curriculum, and six years now as a middle school principal where she is at Gary Middle School. And she earned her doctorate in 2015 and has just been continuing to learn this whole time. Wendy, thanks so much for coming on uh, Resilient Schools. I'm so excited to have you here. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Jethro. So what really stuck out to you in this conversation that people are about to listen to? Um, I think, um, you know, this whole community support systems and building communities has um, fundamentally changed how I do business as a principal and the way I think. And I've only been a principal for six years here. And the fact that I kind of fell into this or rolled into this, this community concept of pulling people together um, has been the biggest aha for me uh, as a leader. And again, has fundamentally changed the way I do business in the school. Yeah, exciting. And she's going to talk all about that here in the episode coming up. And so I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, Wendy, for being here. Thank you for your wisdom. And uh, we will hear that uh, that interview here in just a second. 
All right. Well, Wendy, let's start out by having you tell us about the uh, the kind of support that you have in your school, the different roles, and how they were all disjointed to start. Yeah. When I first came to Gary Middle School about five years ago, um, and coming into a school that I knew was uh, struggling with discipline, my first thought was to look at all of my resources and to figure out um, how I needed to rearrange my resources and what the need was. And like any new principal, you come in and uh, you have to be there for the year and see where the need is. And we had a lot of our resources were wrapped up in academics, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, at the same time, with student management being such high need, um, we kind of lived with it for a year, observing uh, drowning in discipline as an administrative team and uh, having time to reflect and talk about what is it that we really needed. And then a shift of resources, primarily I'm talking about title and lap dollars, and a shift in resources unfortunately meant we had to decrease some of our reading strategies, some of our math strategies, which wasn't a great thing. But at the same time, we really needed to focus on this building of getting some social emotional supports to our students in the way of um, adding behavior interventionists. So over a course of a couple of years, uh, approximately three, two and a half before the pandemic, we, we moved from one uh, building interventionist in a school of 600, and uh, we have shifted to four behavior interventionists, um, and strategically at the same time, Jethro, taking a look at the role of on, a, on an additional support system, a campus safety specialist and an MTSS specialist, and learning how um, we needed to all start collaborating as an administrative team for behavior interventionists, an MTSS specialist, a campus safety specialist. And we simply needed to all get on the same page about what is our plan to support teachers and to support kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you gave that background because like so many schools, we sometimes get overwhelmed with resources and don't exactly know how to use them. And so you also have community partnerships with uh, Gonzaga University that's close by, as well as several other places that uh, where you have people, but you can't really use the people in an effective way. And so you've moved to this community approach where we're going to work together and you physically put all of those people who are here to help your students into one and then two rooms. But mostly we'll talk about the one room that has the most amount of people in it. Yes. Talk about making that change and what that was like for your school. Well, we kind of rolled into it in terms of, you know, at some point, you just start naturally problem solving, right? As an administrative team, that's the key I think it's a key focus of what we do. Here's the problem. How do we get together and where is the need? And so what, what would we do about that? So even in a building that didn't have enough space, people ask us, how did you carve out enough room with yes. teachers traveling <laughs> that you dedicated a room to behavior intervention? Because it made sense. Because um, we needed to have one spot that was not the main office for kids to be able to come and de-escalate 
and have have adults. You're not in trouble, but you need someone to talk through in that social emotional way. What are your needs? Now, the way we had been behaving with interventionists was really a lonely kind of endeavor. You were one person in a room or you might be in an office. It's very isolating. You're, uh, it's very stressful. And so we just said, let's have everybody support each other and let's try that. Putting everybody in the same room and so we kind of fell into it. And now we go, it's so logical to do that because we get wonderful people who have the toughest jobs in terms of dealing with all of this emotional behavior. And I'm, we're with middle school students in a very at-risk school with 87% on free and reduced lunch. And so when you get a team of people all in the same room who are communicating, talking, naturally learning from one another and helping each other how to work with kids, how to de-escalate them, how to get them the supports that they've needed. And, and when we first evolved into that and you get a couple people in there and next thing you know, we were like, hey, the campus safety specialist seems to be in here all the time anyway. Why don't we pull them in here and have their desk in here and then be a part of the team? And the MTSS specialists, why would they be in an office? They're in here anyways. Let's pull them in. And before you know it, we've got six adults all leaning in, all learning from each other, all tag teaming. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, it can be exasperating when, you know, uh, it can be trying and you need to you need to recognize that you need a break from that room. And mm -hmm. how great when you've got your peers and partners going, hey, don't worry about it. Go take a break. Go walk around in the halls. We got this right here. And it has evolved into not only fantastic friendships with staff members, but this highly trusting um, place for students to come to say, hey, you're really not in trouble when you come down here. It's six adults who are all trying to help you. And so we really kind of stumbled into this community support systems and now I got people all over the building who want to be interventionists because they're hearing this big team effect um, into yeah. coaching kids. Yeah. Well, what I like about it so much is that you you saw that you had a problem, that you had major behavior issues. And most of the, a lot of times people try to do things to fix those behavior issues and don't actually have success because they're, you know, it's a big problem. It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And at the time when you started, you had these people in all these different places. They weren't talking with each other. They weren't learning from each other. They weren't getting better. And you moved them into the same place. And now there's this amazing feeling of support and collegiality. And we're in this together. I'm not all alone anymore. <laughs> and yeah. like those are very real, good, positive consequences of putting people together. And we know that, you know, these are paraprofessional positions. So they're not, most of them, at least I don't think they're certified teacher positions, right? All six of them certified. They're all certified. Interesting. Well, our campus safety specialist is classified. I should back that up. Okay. So, yes. All right. Yes. So, so that's even better because they know how powerful it is to have a team um, having been certified teachers as well. So, but this yeah. is something that if they weren't certified or if, even if they were volunteers, 
you could still get the same benefits, right? Yeah. Yes. And in in conjunction with this change, Jethro, there's another key point to this is um, the school as a district initiative, but this school was newly in the initiative, was moving towards MTSS, multiple tiered support systems and determining um, what does that mean for our building? So a committee of 22 staff members get together with it, including administrators, and they start carving out for our school. What does this look like for the classroom teacher? What, what, what are the strategies that we're doing? And they come up with this fantastic book that um, has ownership. It was rolled out to the staff members and it's got summary of the interventions rationale for the interventions, research, um, implementing the interventions. Um, and they are working in tandem with the community support team and the reset, we call it the reset room. And together staff-wide, there was like two transitionings going on with the teachers learning how to wrap their heads around that. And then how do we appropriately use the intervention room in the strongest MTSS way? Um, so it wasn't like we weren't working with the staff members on how things needed to improve with management. Just, you know, it was never, oh, just send your kids to the reset room. You don't have to worry about classroom management. It was all by design, a school, um, an entire school moving forward in what would be a joint effort in working on uh, student manage with management with some incredible results. Yeah, so let's talk about some of those results because I think it's appropriate to, to mention them. Um, when you first got to your school, your school was had the highest number of suspensions and office discipline referrals. And what does that look like now? I'm sure it's perfect, no problems at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we still have our challenges, as you know. And yes, when I came, um, this I'm in the second largest district in Washington state. So when you have suspension numbers that are higher than every high school, that's a red flag. And that's a survival flag is what that was in trying to get to know the school and, and build a system. And since last year, uh, when we were full on implementing our system after the pandemic, um, we had um, an approximate 59% drop uh, in overall suspensions. And I think it's important, Jethro, to put that in context of when there's pressure on administrators to get those suspensions decreased, right? And by nature, we want to do that anyways. And then there's sometimes the pressure that administrators can feel. I've always been one of those people that I'm like, you know what? I'm just authentically doing what we need to do. And I can't solve the problem if I'm fudging with my with my data or numbers. I can't solve that problem. I wasn't proud of those earlier results. I wasn't exactly sure what to do. Um, I'm a veteran administrator in my 23rd year right now, but I know this, you can't solve problems when you're dealing with data that's not the real deal. And, and we just had to face it and go, well, now what are we going to do? 
And what are people's, and you know, you start gathering your data, you're talking to people and you, when you have interventionists in the, in the early stages that are miserable, they want to get out. It's too much stress. I can't do this. Uh, I feel like I'm by myself. Well, all of those things are true. It's because you were by yourself. Who wants to go to work every day and do a job like that? So we're like, what if there were a couple of you? So again, we roll into this, let's build community. Let's do this because it's a very isolating job. And when that becomes your focus of a community support system and you hope that it's going to go the way you want and reveal results, and when it happens, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. And I, you mentioned that the teachers were involved, that they created a, a playbook, as it were, or a handbook or guidebook or whatever, yeah. to make it so that people have, um, that everybody knows what's going on and why we're doing things. Um, but it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine. There were still some challenges. Can you share some of the challenges with making these moves that, uh, that, that may have derailed them if you didn't push through? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, there's there's a lot of the, the general communication, the challenge of communication when you're making change. And so you, you, you've got to deal with just, just change. Things are going to be different. Things are, and you know, everything that comes with telling teachers, right, we're working, we're going to do it this way. I know we've always done it like this, and now we're going to change, and here's the why. And, you know, you hope the why is powerful enough, and it's not always, because change is change, and it means different procedures of how we report. What are we asking teachers to do? So, um, and then there's always going to be in the process of change, you just have to deal with the general breakdown of communication that can naturally happen because everybody thinks you're on the same page until you find out everybody's not doing it the way we said. All right, let's come back together and let's understand and be comfortable with the fact of the challenge of communication in a large system with, you know, 50 teachers. That's going to happen and let's be okay with that and let's kind of embrace that. And let's be forgiving about that. And let's just come back together at a staff meeting and say, hey, remember what we said. Let's clarify this. Let's ask questions. Let's be as transparent as we possibly can because there is comfort and transparencies, the good and the bad, when everybody lays it out there and knows what is going on. And from that, all the way down to how we report um, students coming down to the office and our new, you know, the MTSS app way. Well, before you just called the, the office and or you sent a kid to the office, those are traditional long held ways of how we have treated students and expected them to get the hammer from the administrator, right? So when you're talking about the change of restorative practices, the change in the the technology and how we report, the change in MTSS and we're trying to learn it, right? You just embrace it. You embrace the communication, a little bit of that confusion, and you come back to the drawing board every time and remind everybody what the goals are. You listen to the pieces that aren't working and there were some pieces that were not working. 
in, um, in terms of just the intervention room and the community room, because then we had to go with clarification of roles of people in the community support room, because there's interventionists, they have one thing, MTSS specialists as the contract-based agreement has a different um, operation. And the campus safety specialist is not an interventionist, but kind of. So when you deal with people stepping on each other's to toes a little bit and there's, there's lack of clarity about roles, well, there's the problem. Well, let's get clarity about roles and let's pull everybody who's working really hard together and let's talk. And uh, so always coming back to that communication piece and, um, and regularly looking at our data uh, our data with suspensions and what was happening, you know, keeping it real and um, and not being afraid. Sometimes you have to suspend and and that's OK. Yeah. Sometimes for safety and so on, we have to do that. Well, and to that point, Wendy, when you were showing me the data a few weeks ago when I was at your school, you were going through saying, you know, this this month, these things happened that led to these suspensions. And, you know, like. We can't really do anything about that because they brought a weapon or drugs to school or whatever it was. And it's like, right. or they were very violent. Like you can't have these kids in school when these things are happening. We need right. to have restorative practices, but the other side needs some time to heal as well. And so I, I, I appreciated that. Can you talk about the process as it exists now that teachers go through uh, to get kids support? Because it, in the olden days, I'll describe that, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, when you answer this. In the olden days, people said, you're in trouble, go down to the office, here's a referral, and they expect the principal to lay down the hammer. Right. Now, oftentimes, you don't even see these kids, and they don't talk to you at all, and right. they they get support in another way. Can you talk about that process and what that looks like? Absolutely. First of all, I love in our uh, on our MTSS app, it requires the teacher to um, give us their knowledge about what they're experiencing in the classroom. And they're able to, in a very quick, in a uh, not only to write a brief narrative about what happened, but at the same time to supply through a checkbox system, the type of support that they think this student needs. And it might be a support like, um, it might even be food, it might even be clothing, uh, somebody to talk to, um, stressed about home, should probably see a counselor. They can even name the person that they think should be a part of the conversation, which is something we've never done with teachers before. And they've got, they know the student better than anybody. And so when they just send them down to an administrator before, we don't have all that context, right? And now we have a more robust way that when, and, and the student stays in the room until an interventionist gets a ping on their phone uh, to come up, get the student out of the classroom. They have a talk when they're walking down the hall and they're heading down to the reset room. And it, so think about that Jethro, even right off the bat, compared to traditionally when the student was sent to the office, what's, what's their mindset? Dun, 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 dun. Um, you know, you're <laughs> yeah, heading down to the principal. I'm in trouble for whatever happened. There's an incredibly different mindset. You got a person escorting you, walking with you. That's starting with, 
hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And they're heading down to the reset room and there's a lot of talk. There's reading what the teacher wrote. There's talking about how to solve this problem. And it starts with a restorative lens. It might evolve another student and they have to go get another student after class. And so it involves maybe the student reveals the reason why they blew up in class is because they got mad at their best friend at lunch who was who said something at lunch and they're just stressed. So there's a lot of problem solving and and saying, let's let's fix this. Let's work this. Let's uh, or maybe you said something to the teacher you shouldn't have said. Let's take a breather. Let's go connect with that teacher later and get you back to classes. And they're really teasing out the interventionist you know, how severe is this? And most of the time, it's not very severe at all. And so it gives the student a chance to take a break. And sometimes we, we have support systems in there. We have something called the base curriculum. And if a student has been disrespectful to a teacher and you process that, they, they can get uh, in this reset room, they get on the base curriculum, and there might be a lesson about disrespect. And it's an interactive tool that um, student may be on it for 20 minutes and they're answering questions and it gets printed out and the interventionist is talking about what happened in that base curriculum tool and how that applies to their learning to what happened. But the mindset is so incredibly different now with kids coming down to that reset room, not like, wow, I'm about to be booted from school. It's like, okay, <laughs> we'll take a breather. I've done some things I shouldn't have done. And now we're going to talk and problem solve. It has made all the difference in an overall culture of calming the, calming behavior down in the school. Yeah, I, I really like that that whole process that you go through and how it's it's so much more supportive of the yeah. student as opposed to seeking for punishment. And the, the base curriculum that you mentioned, I think is really powerful also because it give, gives kids the lessons that they need in the moment rather than doing what we sometimes do, which is, you know, we're having a problem in the school with keep with, you know, five kids out of the 600 being disrespectful to teachers. So let's do a school-wide assembly or something on being respectful to teachers. And all the kids who who are typically respectful of teachers are annoyed. They have to sit through this thing that's telling them what they already know. And all the kids who are already disrespectful of teachers are just being more disrespectful in whatever right. those lessons are because yes. they're not customized and tailored to them specifically. And what, what I like about this is that it's so focused on each individual student to help each kid yes. figure out what they need to do better for themselves. And, yes. you know, if, if disrespect is not an issue, then we shouldn't be teaching them about it because obviously they already know how to be respectful. So there's no point in having that be one of the things. And, and so I really appreciate that, that whole approach. So taking everything we've talked about, if we want our schools to be more resilient, what's the one thing that you would say we need to do to make them more resilient? I'm going to go off on maybe a little bit of a tangent here that has everything to do, Jethro, with hope. And oh, I'm so glad you brought up hope since the we have two other episodes specifically about hope with Kathleen Beachboard and with Melissa Saden uh, from this show. So thanks for bringing that up. I'll put links to those in the show notes. 
Yeah, because I, you know, my mantra in this school uh, is, is big, beautiful future. All the students know that. Um, it's kind of a fun thing, but it goes right to the heart of what I think I'm doing as an educator and what I believe in the long term of what these students are capable of. And I don't care what school you're in, what circumstances um, are going on in your school. Um, you know, a big, beautiful future, right, is just exactly what it what it is. It's looking at all of our kids and helping them understand and working with them that the future is bright. And um, and I have such hope uh, for these kids to be able to turn it around regardless of their life circumstances and sometimes how difficult the job can be. Um, and, and we teach the kids about hope. So when you talk about resilience, right, there's gotta be that, sure, we have systems in place for kids to help process their behavior when things are off the rails for them. But if a student doesn't come to school every day thinking that they're a group of people who think the best of them, to think that life is beautiful and hopeful out there, but um, you know, at the same time, we always come back to the kids, but you have a role to play in it, students, right? Mm -hmm. You have a big, beautiful future, and hope is your, your future can be bigger and brighter than your past, but you have a role to play in it. Yeah. And so that has got to be, especially in our toughest schools, has to be the driven message that is the complement to, yeah, we want you to behave well and, and do well in school academically because you have a big, beautiful future that is out there, but you're the only one who can go after it and get it. And we are here to support you to the max to talk to you about how wonderful life is if you want to make it wonderful. And there's, who doesn't want to hear that message, Jethro, right? Yeah. It's like, I want somebody to tell me I'm 57 years old. I still have a big, beautiful future ahead yes. of me. You have a big, beautiful future ahead of you, right? It just keeps going. Who doesn't want to hear that and talk about it? So when you talk to kids at the same time, what we've learned with our interventionists and talking with kids about their behavior, you have got to talk with their, them about their behavior relative to their big, beautiful future. So it's like, by the way, while you're down here, and I know you went off the rails a little and, and we're going to solve those problems. Tell me, what are you doing? What, what are you thinking about for your career? Let's look at your grades. What are you thinking about college? Tell me how things are going. And you can see sometimes the kids on their face going, um, was I just what? in a lot of trouble? And now <laughs> you're telling me I have a big, beautiful future. Yeah, because you do. Uh, yeah, you made some mistakes. But let's talk about something cool, which is your big, beautiful future. They have to have that balance to provide hope because that's what we do as educators. If we can't balance that, we've done such a disservice to our kids if we're not looking for the long-term and having conversations with them and it's just uplift, uplifting for everybody. Right. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Wendy, thank you so much for being part of resilient schools. This was a great conversation. I appreciate your time and your wisdom and insight. 
Um, it's um, it's been a joy to be here with you, Jethro. Uh, love reading your book about transformative principle. Thank you. And uh, I think at the heart, you know, you want the same thing that I do. We hope all people want to be transformative principles and, uh, and lead all of our kids to a big, beautiful future without a doubt. Agreed. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.